is, is the more we fall in love with Jesus and continue to abide in him, the more we allow Jesus, here goes back to the song of surrendering, the more we allow Jesus to liberate us from jacked up thinking that causes us to do some jacked up stuff. We say crazy stuff. We do crazy stuff. We act out. The more we let Jesus deal with us, the more we abide in the word. That's why coming to church is important. That's why being in CLG is important. That's why reading the word is important. That's part of discipleship is learning how to deal with me. Are y'all, are y'all all right? How can I learn how to deal with me from God's word? But this is what Jesus is saying to the Jews and actually to all of us that hears it. In the process of becoming free, if for some reason or another you decide to continue and embrace sin, then he says you become a slave of sin. And if you're a slave of sin, then you can't be truly free. Y'all, y'all all right. You can't be truly free. And he says, if, if you're a slave to sin, then you can't stay in the house. This is where Jesus jacks up the Jews. Because remember, they're in the household of Israel. They're in the household of faith through Abraham. He said, yes, you're in the house now by name because you're in Abraham. You're of Israel, but you cannot stay in the house if you allow yourself to stay enslaved to sin. The only people that can stay in the house is the son because the son is free and everyone who follows after him shall be free indeed. So if you've truly been set free by Jesus, then you're absolutely free from sin. Now, Danny didn't tie this up so much, I almost got to get up. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, I, 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 I want to do this because I, I, I just kind of want you to get a little visual. And just help me, man. My workouts have been too light. Um, because how many of you know this? And, and you hear the passage, what Jesus is saying. But how many of us hear this passage and read this passage and know indeed that Jesus sets us free? But every day you hear chains rattling in your life. You hear chains. It might be a chain saying, but you're shackled by unforgiveness. It might be a chain saying, you're shackled by pornography. It might be a chain chain saying, you're shackled by anger. You're shackled by lust. You're shackled by some hurt, some offense, some emotion. Your Kool-Aid then went from clear to purple. I'm all up in it. You walk in the freedom of Jesus and we sing I'm free, but you know you can hear chains rattling in your life and they make so much noise they jack your mind up and even when we sing songs about being free we hear the chains rattling everything about us declares freedom because we are free in Jesus but these doggone chains that we got to keep carrying around y'all doing all right Jesus talks about he talks about that because in Our Christian journey, we find ourselves sometimes making the same mistakes, following after the wrong paths. Even after you've prayed the prayer, sometimes we even think maybe we didn't do it right. 
Maybe it didn't take. Maybe the baptism don't work because we hear chains rattling in our life. And if, if you've been anything like me, you've actually had those moments with God when you've asked him, where is the freedom that you promised me? Is that just me? Where is that freedom? So I want to talk about this process and, and, and what we do and experiencing freedom from that stuff. As we teach, as we sing, as we worship, as we serve, there's those hurts, there's those habits, there's those hang-ups that deal with us, but what's, what's the deal? And it won't take me long, just hang in here with me on this. The first thing that you need to know is that there's that moment of freedom. There's that moment of freedom, that moment in time when you absolutely commit your life to Jesus. Now, I'm going to say this to you, and I, and I hope you get it. Many people can tell you the day that they said a prayer, you know, or came to an altar. Many people can say, on this day, this is my spiritual birthday. Or people can tell you the day that they were baptized. And they can say, this day is my spiritual birthday. I'm going to be honest with you. I can tell you when I said a prayer. I could even tell you when I got baptized. But I'm going to tell you what I cannot tell you. That's a double negative. And that's this. I don't know the date that I actually know I made a real commitment to Jesus. I don't know that date. But I do know there was a moment in time when I came to the conclusion, man, I have really given my life to Christ. Does anybody relate to what I'm talking about? To where you know you had, you had come to that point that no matter what happened, there was no way in the world you was going to turn back to the things of the world. No way in the world you were going to walk out on serving Jesus. I can't tell you the date, but I know that there was a moment of freedom that took place in my life. I know there was a moment of freedom. When those burdens rolled away. When you realize I'm really liberated from sin. I'm really liberated. I've really been forgiven by God. I love this passage in Acts 13, 38 and 9. It says, let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, talking about Jesus. And by him, everyone who believes, check this out, is free from everything from which you could not be made free from the law of Moses. I love the language. Through Jesus, everything that you can be set free from, you're set free through Jesus alone. Can you say amen? amen. That speaks of justification. It's a great Bible word. It's a great doctrinal word, a great theological word. The moment that you absolutely know you've trusted in Jesus for your life, for the forgiveness of sins, that very moment the Scripture says you're justified. He from that day on looks at you as if you've never sinned because you've absolutely trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. If you haven't got to that point, I'm telling you, you're going to have an opportunity today to come to the place where you absolutely say, Jesus Christ is my Savior. I'm surrendering. I'm giving my life to him. I want to be free. I want to be forgiven for all of my sins. That's justification. 
Romans 6, and 23 says this, but now that you have been set free, follow this, because there's that moment of freedom. It's identified again in your confessing Christ. We carry it on through with water baptism, which we'll talk about in just a moment. But here's what Romans 6, says, but now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, you, you, you see that we just switching owners. We just switching owners. Before you give your life to Christ, you're a slave of the devil. You may not want to say it. I'm going to tell you that you were because the Bible says that you were. You were a slave of the devil, bottom line. You did whatever you in your flesh and the enemy wanted you to do. God had no say-so over your life at all. You were a slave of him because you were enslaved in your will, mind, and emotions unto him. That's a hard doctrine for some folks because some people say, well, pastor, but I, I've really been good all my life. Eh, wrong answer. Wrong answer. Mm-mm, go back. You do not pass go. You do not collect no $200. You've been set free from sin and you become slaves of God. We switch. So now everything about us is under the control of him. He now has authority over our mind, our heart, our will, our emotions. The fruit you get talking about the fruit of the Spirit, leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. Meaning once we give our life to Christ, the Spirit of God comes in us, and He begins the process of sanctifying us. Sanctification is another good Bible word. It means the sin of, uh, our sin has been paid. We have eternal life. We have the free gift of eternal life. And now there's an encounter that's going on between us and Jesus, a growth process because it says the wages of sin is death but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord we see this so played out in Acts chapter 2 when there was a gathering of devout Jews on the day of Pentecost they're gathered there together and the scripture says that while they were gathering there getting ready to do the feast of Pentecost that the Spirit of God came down and they thought it was, a, it was like a rushing and mighty wind and people began to speak in other tongues. It was a great event. People declare, began declaring the great and wondrous things of God and those devout Jews began to ask, what the heck is going on? Peter stands up to preach and he says to them, this is what Jesus talked about, that there was going to be a time, there was going to be a moment in time where the Spirit of God would come upon all flesh and not just Jewish people, but whoever believed in Jesus will be liberated and would be set free. That everyone could have this freedom. Everyone could have this liberty. Everyone could have this salvation. He said, this is that. This is what's taking place. And, and then he went on to declare to them, because remember, they didn't accept Jesus. They rejected him. So he went on to say, this is the Jesus that y'all killed. This guy came here with a mission. He came here as a representative of God. As a matter of fact, he was God in the flesh. Showed us how to love, how to live life, how to live unto God, how to live this life according to the God's created plan for our life. He came and showed us all that, the love of the Father and what it means to serve him. He showed us all of that. And he told us that if we believe in him, that our sins would be forgiven. He told us that if we believed in him, that we would be truly set free. If we believed in him, we'd have eternal life. That's what he told us. But you went off and killed him. You crucified him. You crucified the Savior of life. But here's the good news. Because he had not sinned, death could not 
hold him down. It was against the law for death to hold on to Jesus because remember, I just read it. The wages of sin is death. The only way death has a right over any of us is if we're yet sinners. But not only did Jesus rise up from the dead, but because death got no authority over me, I'm rising up out of here also. That's the power of the gospel. That's the power of the cross. And so Peter tells him, this is the Jesus I'm talking about. And there they get conviction. And there they say, oh my goodness, you mean to tell me that we've crucified the Messiah that we've been waiting for? Peter said, yes. You mean the one that Isaiah prophesied about that liberated us? Yes. The one that we were told that was going to take us from oppression? Yes. That's what you did. And then they said, then Peter, what do we do? If he really is the Lord in Christ, what do we do? And we see it right here in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I love this. You can look at your babies. You can look at your grandbabies and say, for this promise is for you and your children and to all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And I'm going to tell you something, just to drop this in on you, I pray this for my children and my grandchildren every day. I believe Jesus is saving my whole household because he is the deliverer and I can trust his word. But he went on to say this, and with many other words, he continued to exhort them, but here's what you got to get. Save yourself from this crooked generation. There's a moment when freedom comes. When you accept the fact that Jesus Christ truly is Savior, but not only that, he is Lord. There you have it. So Romans 6, 6 and 7 says this, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. That's where our sins went. That's where the old self went. Christ took all that on the cross so that sin might lose its power in our lives. So now sin doesn't have any power over us. We're no longer slaves of sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. So what does that mean? That means now if we sin, we sin because we give in to it, not because we have to. And when we give in to it, we start hearing those chains rattling. We allow ourselves to give in to the sins that can come before us, whether it be emotions or sins of money, sins of the flesh, we can, we can go on. But here's what you got to do, and this is the second thing. You got to choose to live free. Y- you see, hear this, church, and y'all doing real good. Y'all doing real good. Hear this. Christ does the work of setting you free. You got to make the decision to live free. Did y'all catch that? He sets you free. You got to make the decision to live free. You got to make a choice on whether you're going to live free. Here's Romans 6, 12. Don't let sin control the way you live. That's what the scripture says. Don't let it control you. That means that it can, but don't let it control you. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, Give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have 
new life. Paul is making it real clear. Before, because we were dead in sin, we didn't have an option. We sinned because we were dead in sin. But now we are alive. We have new life. So he goes on to say, so use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Use your body to do what is right. So, so sin is no longer your master. Live under the freedom of God's grace. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Now, absolutely, you know as well as I do, it's a constant battle. It's a continual thing. And don't think the older you get, the more you get away from it. I, please, I'm getting older every day. Uh, I don't want to admit that, but I just did, but I am. And I'm, I'm going to tell you something. The battle goes on every day. Don't think you ever get so far past it that you say, man, I've conquered this. I don't know what they're waiting on. It ought to be St. Tyrone canonized. No way. You don't, you don't get, you never get, it's continual. As long as you live, you never get away with it. I'm going to deal with it in just a moment. But sin will be persistent. Satan will be persistent. The flesh will get weak and the chains nearby will start rattling. But that's, folks, where you learn how to lean into grace. You got to lean into the grace of God. You got to learn how to trust the power of God. And that's where the Bible comes in. Learn to confess his word. We lean in the grace. We trust the power of God. We confess his word. Because otherwise you'll do just what Galatians 5 warns us against. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Everybody shout it out. I am free. Now hear this. Stand firm, therefore. What are you standing firm in? In what you just confessed. I am free. And do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. We stand in that confession. Now, here's the last thing, and that's this, and that's navigate the journey. Navigate the journey. I think I've shared this with you. There's, there's, there's actually four or five books that I know I've told you every Christian should read, Knowing God by J.R. Packer, Trusting God by Jerry Bridges, The Cross by Martin Lloyd-Jones, and um, uh, another one's coming to my mind. But the one that stays close to my Bible is Pilgrim's Progress. Pilgrim's Progress is a wonderful book that talks about the journey of a Christian. And in Pilgrim's Progress, one of the things that we learn from the writing of John Bunyan is that you always got to navigate through this life because there's always going to be opportunities for distractions and things that you, that'll, that you'll that you have a temptation to give into with your flesh and with your mind and with your heart because temptation will come. Opportunities in this life are not always the most glorious things. Not everything that looks good is, is, is gold. Not everything glittering is glorious. Always have those opportunities. And some things, they may look cool, they may look fun, but they're not always the best thing for your life. Am I talking to the right church? Now, here is a verse that we misquote sometime, and I'm really going to jack you up right now. Because oftentimes we say, the Bible says God will not give you more than you can bear. Somebody show me where that's in the Bible. It's not in there. That is not in the Bible. Sorry. I know I just messed you up, and you probably told somebody that last night. Baby, God won't give you more than you can bear. Not, not true. But let me tell you what the Bible does say. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, 
maybe I better finish that about God won't give you more than you can bear. I want you to think about that for a moment. Just think about that for a moment. If you'll never have more on you than you can bear, will you ever lean and trust on the Spirit of God for what you can't? It just doesn't even make sense philosophically. Just, just saying. I told you I was going to mess you up. The clock said I got 16 seconds, so hold on. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, listen to this. Here is what, what, what he says. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. Here is what he says. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. It's not that he won't give you more than you can bear. He's saying he won't let you be tempted beyond what you can handle. Are y'all following this? But with the temptation, here it is, he will always provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So even in that, we need God. But here is a point. He's the one that's given us the way to get off of those temptations that are before us that can cause us to give in. When the chains are rattling, I love the thought of it is if you're talking about navigating, if you're going down the freeway, there's going to be off-ramps. Maybe you're running low on gas. You don't have to stay on the freeway. You can take an off-ramp. Maybe you got to go to the restroom. You don't have to stay on the freeway. You can take an off-ramp. There's things that come before us in life, things that come before you when you're driving, and you can take the off-ramp. Traffic too heavy here, take an off-ramp, go around. By God's grace, he provides spiritual off-ramps for us. Are y'all following me? That's what he's saying by not giving you more than you have the ability. Because with every temptation, I'm telling you, when you're going on this freeway of life, with every temptation that's before you, I guarantee you, as you're facing a temptation, the Lord has given you an off-ramp. You don't have to stay on that highway and get yourself in trouble. With every temptation, when you're, when, when you're with folks and you know they're getting ready to do something that you don't want to be part of, you don't have to keep going. Take the off-ramp. When somebody says something to you and you know that if you stay there long enough, you're going to say something you shouldn't, take the off-ramp. When somebody offends you and you know you're going to have a hard time with unforgiveness, get on your knees and take the off-ramp. There's always off-ramps. When you got some old girlfriend or some old boyfriend shooting you messages through Facebook, take the off-ramp. Take the off-ramp. Whatever it is, you know what your areas of weakness is. God always provides you with an off-ramp. You don't need to stay on that road. Choose not to and take the off-ramp so you don't fall into that place of sin. Y'all doing all right? And just kind of to close this out, what you need, what I need, what we all need is the Spirit of God. We sung that in our song. We cannot be free, cannot live free without the Spirit of God living in us. That, that's it. Team, if you'll come. Romans 10, 9 through 11 says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you made right with God and it is by confessing with your mouth that you were saved. As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be saved disgraced. I want everybody to stand. I'm going to give you one more verse. And prayer team, I I do need you to come. 
elders, if you'll come, elder candidates, if you'll come. I want you to hear this. And, and I'm re- I really am making an appeal probably to everyone in this building. Listen to what this word says. We sung it, but I want you to hear it. For the Lord is the spirit. And wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have heard that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of God and the Lord who is the spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Victoria, make sure you come so I can pray for you. I want you to catch this. I'm going to make an appeal to everyone in the house. I'm not going to set a line of, if you got lust, come here. If you got this going, revenge, come here. If you got unforgiveness, come here. I'm not going to have you line up in lines. But I'm going to ask you to reply. If you hear any change going on in your life, the Spirit of the Lord here is to take you into his glorious image. You don't have to leave here with no more chains wrapped. If there's stuff that you know that the Lord is trying to deliver you from, give you an off-ramp to, if there's stuff that you know, and I talked about it, maybe mentioned it, didn't mention it, but you know no matter how free you want to be, you hear some chains. I'm going to ask you to come. We're not going to make a big scene about it. We're not going to give a microphone so you can testify about it. But I want folks to lay hands on you. I want folks to pray for you. And I want you to be liberated. I want you to be free. Hear this. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. This is the opportunity. Christ is calling. The spirit of the Lord is calling. If you've never been saved, you can get absolutely free from the power and the penalty of sin. But God is able to deliver you today. So if you're here, I just want you to come. Now, I'm going to tell you. Can I just tell you? Lying is something you need to be delivered from too. So if you, if you don't have it, if you, if you don't need to come, or sorry, if you don't want to come, you can, you can stay where you are, but don't lie to yourself. Don't deceive yourself. If you know you need freedom from, you know you need freedom, don't deceive yourself. One of the best things we can do in our Christian life is this, is have self-awareness of who we truly are before the Lord and what we truly need Jesus to do. Oftentimes, some of our own freedom is held up by our lack of being honest before God. And can I tell you, the safest place to be honest is before the Lord. That's the safest place. It's the safest place. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm going to pray. Worship team is going to take us into a song, and we're going to just spend some time praying. If you want prayer, we're here. Father, I thank you. You have been so good to us and so gracious. As a matter of fact, even to bring us to this moment, even, Lord God, through our season of worship and our season of fellowship and our season of hearing the word, Father, you have shown your graciousness to sustain and maintain our life that we can yet cry out to you. As we're here together, Lord God, I don't know what's running through the hearts and the minds of everyone that's here. You you know, and you're the Lord, and that's good enough for me. But what I'm a- I am asking, Lord God, is whatever the Spirit of the Lord is ministering to, that it will be complete. And that you would do a great and marvelous work. Whatever you bring in conviction to, that there will be a response. 
whatever you're calling the people of God to action to, that they'll take action. I'm trusting you, Lord God, to do the work that you do best, that you may be glorified. And as the word says, because of the freedom that comes from the spirit, that we would be more and more transformed into the glorious image of you. That's my prayer for the house today. That's my prayer for the church, is that we would become more and more into the glorious image of you. Let it be done through worship, through prayer, as we come together, as we lay hands on, let it be done. In Jesus' name, amen.